Hello and welcome to Talking Talkies. We are your hosts, Benny. And Minal. And thank you for joining us. So before we get into this episode, you know, if you've been listening to us, you know the drill. Uh, please be sure to click the follow button so that you can get an update when a new episode drops. Give us a rating on Apple Podcasts and Spotify so that the podcast can get some visibility. And uh, yeah, we're going into episode six now. And uh, if you're listening it, listening to this show for the first time, uh, honestly, we ju- we're just two movie lovers who are discussing our favorite movies from around the world and talking about what we've enjoyed about it, what did not work, and really how it's holding up today. So if you haven't watched the movie that we are going to be discussing, just letting you know, there will be spoilers ahead. So we highly recommend you first watch the movie and then come back and listen to this episode. So, you know, episode six, we are going to be talking about a movie that I actually watched in the theaters um, when it released uh, almost 17 years ago, and it left an indelible impression. This is not the regular police. This is the state police. We are an elite unit. This is who we're after. Frank Costello. You won't be paid as a regular cop, but there's a bonus involved. So what do I do? You will not ever know the identity of undercover people. You have anyone in with Costello presently? Maybe. Do you know who I am? Maybe not. I'm gonna have my associates search you. That was quick. Think he's dead already? Get your hands off me! I think we could work something out. The Departed is a 2006 mobster crime drama directed by Martin Scorsese, which is actually a remake of an Hong Kong film, Infernal Affairs. The best part of the movie, other than that it was directed by Martin Scorsese, is the all-star cast of Leonardo DiCaprio, Matt Damon, Jack Nicholson, Martin Sheen, Mark Wahlberg and Alec Baldwin. Vera Farmiga plays the love interest of both Damon and DiCaprio's characters and it's actually this movie that put her on the map. Departed was a critical and a commercial success, receiving acclaim for its direction, performances, screenplay and editing. It won several accolades, including four Oscars at the 79th Academy Awards for Best Picture, Best Director, Best Adapted Screenplay and Best Film Editing. It became Scorsese's first and to date only personal Oscar win and Wahlberg was also nominated for Best Supporting Actor. The film received six nominations at the 64th Golden Globe Awards and six nominations at the 60th BAFTA Awards. The synopsis of the film is pretty straightforward. South Boston cop Billy Costigan, played by Leonardo DiCaprio, goes undercover to infiltrate the organization of gang lord Chief Frank Costello, played by Jack Nicholson. As Billy gains the mobster's trust and climbs up the ranks, Frank has also implanted his mole, Colin Sullivan, played by Matt Damon, to infiltrate the police department and report on their activities to him. When both organizations learn that they have a mole in their midst, Billy and Colin must not only figure out each other's identities, but also save their own lives. So Benny, 
both of us watched the movie when it released in the theaters. What are your memories from your first impression about the movie and what did you love about it? So, I think everyone can agree that when it comes to mobster films, the best director of mobster films is Martin Scorsese. Yes. Yeah. Um I think there's an, a separate argument that can be made for the best gangster film, which is The Godfather. Uh, and uh, But in terms of consistently producing, uh, directing and producing gangster films, there's, uh, I don't think there's anyone that, that really comes close uh, to Scorsese. And the fact that The Departed is the only film that he's won an Oscar for is... <laughs> It's ridiculous, and we'll talk more about that later. But as far as my first impression um, of the film, so I remember watching it in the theater, and by this time, I was really liking Leonardo DiCaprio. So I really went for Leo more than anything else. Um, I wasn't too familiar with Scorsese's work at that point in time, even though I'd watched his films, but I didn't really, uh, it didn't really register that it, he was the one who had directed those. So I remember watching the film and there were so many moments in the film. They're like scenes which were just like amazing, which to this date, I can like, even before I had rewatched it, right? Recently for the sake of this episode, I I could still remember those scenes very clearly. And I, I'll mention those later in the episode. But I remember coming out of the show, uh, watching the movie and just thinking, this is the best gangster film that I watched. And honestly, 17 years later, uh, I think I, I've changed my mind on that. But at least <laughs> at that time, at that time, when I watched the film, I was like, I was just like, I kept replaying the scenes in my head, some of the scenes in my head. And I was like, oh my God, that, that's such an amazing scene. And I remember people like audibly gasping at like several scenes um, in the theater. So I loved it. The first time I watched it, I just loved it, and um, I considered it my all-time favorite Scorsese film. I don't think, and I think many people will agree, it's not his best film, but it's the one that uh, is one of his that I've enjoyed the most. And seventeen years later, and especially after rewatching it, um, definitely things have changed as far as how I view the film now. <laughs> um, but yeah, the first impression of that film was like, oh my goodness, this is this is just amazing filmmaking so i had to actually the cast is what pulled me in again like you i had not yeah. watched a lot of scorsese films at that point so but i i was in a phase you know you have phases in your life uh where you enjoy slice of life films where you enjoy romance films i was in the phase where i absolutely loved action and mobster mafia films uh which was kind of what i was watching in bollywood also and around different uh movie types at that point uh, so, but again I had not watched a lot of Scorsese films I think I I remember seeing a few of Robert De Niro films which I didn't realize yeah. Scorsese was the director at that point okay so it kind of slipped my mind but yeah then I actively went because after The Departed the next film I watched was Gangs of New York again Leo and Scorsese combination I'm like oh I gotta go watch this then and Gangs of New York had released before The Departed. So that's where I was. Again, I absolutely love Matt Damon. Uh, 
he was on a high uh, with the Bourne series and the Ocean, the first two yeah. movies of the Ocean trilogy and uh, Bourne series having released. Leo, I, I don't know. I love, I also like Leo a lot as an actor. And I, when I had seen him in Titanic, I was hoping he doesn't get cast as this romantic hero because I just felt he's got a lot more potential. And um, that's why I was really looking forward to him being in a mobster uh, film. So for me, it was those two. And I actually quite enjoy the rest of the cast as well. Baldwin, Wahlberg. Yeah. It's an all-star <laughs> cast. It's an all-star it's, cast. What's not to yeah. like? Like it was such a big yeah. pull at that point. So yeah, I, again, like you, I was blown away. Um, the ending, I still, the last 15 minutes are my favorite bits of the movie because <laughs> I did not yeah. see that coming. And as we talked through it, I realized that the twist and the uh, turns that the movie keeps taking you are constantly doubting the characters. You do not know which side of the fence they are sitting. So you're double guessing right, yourself. Right. So I think I love that he kept you on the edge on that aspect. So for me, that was the big, big pull. You know, it's it's also interesting that this is uh, a remake, right? Yeah. Of Internal Affairs, uh, a 2002 Hong Kong film. But even knowing that fact that it's a remake, it doesn't lose any of its sheen, so to speak. No. Because no. a lot of remakes are fairly or unfairly compared with the original, right? And most of the time, it doesn't stand up to the original because you can't recapture that magic. Correct. But through The Departed, Scorsese showed how you could make a remake and have its own identity, have its own take on the original source material. Um, and even like now, knowing that it's a remake, it doesn't feel any less. Um, now, I haven't watched the original. Same. But the I very fact <laughs> is, the fact is, The Departed just by itself is, is just feels fresh. It feels unique, even though the theme is kind of very common, you know, like uh, double people playing yeah. double roles. Double agents. Yeah. Kind of, yeah, on either side of the law. The acting, the writing, the directing, everything was so on point that it just felt it, it still holds up well after all Correct. these years. The other bit about, and I was, when, these, when I rewatched this for the podcast over the weekend, and I kind of went into a rabbit hole with Reddit, and I, I would not visit Reddit at that point, okay, when the movie had, in 2006 mm. and seven, I do a lot more right now. Uh, there were very interesting theories, and one bit that came across is Corsese also had not dealt with the theme of Boston Mafia, and the Irish mob. He was more about the Italian uh, mafia. So for him also, it was the first time. Yeah. And I don't know much about Boston. Probably you might know that part of the world. You live in the US. You might have read about it more or know about it more. I don't know about the Boston mobster gangs. But this was based on uh, the FBI agent who was corrupt. And I will pull out the names uh, probably in the link. And his links to a gang in Boston. So he kind of blended a bit of actual reality that had happened through the remake of the movie as well, which I found was pretty interesting. And people said that he didn't lose the authenticity of reflecting the Boston uh, mafia culture in that movie, yeah. which was interesting. And that is what the original filmmaker also applauded about Scorsese. Um, I, I, Scorsese, that... I enjoyed that he brought the local touch and local flavor into uh, a remake, which which was pretty interesting. Yeah, like Mar Martin Scorsese is known. F I mean, 
if you ask a bunch of people who are vaguely or even like mildly familiar with his work and you ask them what do you think is his best film i think majority of people will say goodfellas right yes i was just <laughs> and that's quintessentially like an italian mafia uh story and i was actually surprised to learn that there even though there's an abundance of movies made on Irish mobsters and all of that, including Martin Mar Scorsese, who recently made well, a few the years ago, The Irishman. <laughs> um, at least back then, by 2006, there wasn't any singular film that people would be like, okay, this is like the a classic Irish gangster film. So The Departed changed that. Um, and I, I have some thoughts on, I have some thoughts on how well it played out. Uh, but but it still did come out come off as a very good Irish uh, gangster film, The Departed, yeah. and set in Boston. Yes, it's Boston, like many places in the uh, in the Northeast U.S., uh, has some strong Irish populations, and so it was a great setting. You know, the accent always is like very unique to Boston, so it adds that flavor. Um, now there's varying degrees of how well the actors did the accent. <laughs> That's a different story, <laughs> but all of that added to. I read another tidbit about this that apparently Wahlberg uh, gave everybody a lot of grief, and he kept um, showing off that he had the best Boston accent, and he just yeah. gave everyone, every actor on the set a lot of grief about it. Which is very yeah, interesting. Makes sense. I mean, he's from Boston, I think. Right? Yeah, he is. Uh, he is, I think. Yeah. So. And there were apparently but, actors who would use a Boston accent for a while, and then they would just drop it because they yeah. couldn't keep it going. <laughs> it was uh, ridiculous. But overall, it was still a, a good Irish uh, gangster film, at least at that time. Yeah. So just to like uh, again recap for the viewers and get into the movie. Actually, what happens at the start is obviously Jack Nicholson's monologue about where he comes from, about the Boston mafia. And there's yeah. this dialogue, which is very, very famous. I don't want to be a product of the environment. I want the environment to be a product of me. And that's where it kickstarts. He takes Matt, a very young Matt Damon under his wing as a child and funds his education, implants him as a mole in the police department, which is the state uh, department. And, at the same time, uh, you see parallel uh, Leo's undergoing his training and he is his top uh, top student in, in, in the training. And he, both of them, the scene starts with being interviewed by Martin Sheen, who plays Quinnen, who is the, Quinnen. Yeah. Who is the top boss uh, in the special investigation unit and his right-hand man, who is Mark Wahlberg, who, by the way, for the viewers, never, never smiles never says a kind word to anyone is just basically being he is a delight the brute to, to everyone okay every tom dick and harry he's just being a brute so essentially they're playing the good cop and the bad cop uh that's the impression i got yeah. gives matt damon a lot of grief over his impeccable record in while getting to be a policeman and detective and i think damon's also a very fast riser uh getting all the promotions uh he gets posted under Alec Baldwin, who plays the... LRB. LRB, LRB, sorry. There is Leo, who gets told that he has to... His record has to be wiped off. He has to get convicted for a crime. And he has to go undercover as a cop. 
and there are only two people in the entire police department who know his identity that he's a cop is Martin Sheen is Keenan and Mark Wahlberg's character is Digman so that's where it all kickstarts uh and I really love the scene uh Benny when he goes off to Jack Nicholson uh he picks up a fight with his goons and Jack Nicholson finds him and he has his arm injured and he drags him in and <laughs> are you a cop yeah. <laughs> and the yeah. whole scene was not scripted because i think nicholson had this habit of improvising most of his scenes and that scene wasn't scripted and leo was saying that at at that point i just went by what nicholson was doing and reacting uh, to him so pretty brutal scene i think to not have a script it was a brutal correct. scene but uh, let me tell you that in the theater people were laughing yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i had that scene when he just takes his arm with the cast and just Ouch. slams it and keeps shouting uh, you know are you a cop are you a cop and um leo's character is just like saying no i'm not but it it was and and that's really a big part of the film is that it's serious stuff but it's presented yeah. in a very lighter way you know like it's like this is so ridiculous it's funny you know it, yeah. it's yeah. supposed to be serious and i think that was very intentional like scorsese didn't want to make it very very dark yeah. and you know if it was played by different actors it would probably have been dark but jack nicholson like the roles that he has played over his career and even leo at that point in his career it just fit like this sort of ridic- you're watching it and you're like this is so ridiculous it's funny but it's serious you know it was all of that so <laughs> Yeah, the crowd that I was watching it, they absolutely loved that scene. No, no, everybody, even I was laughing actually when I saw the scene again. I'm like, <laughs> I shouldn't be, but actually, you know what? This is this is this is funny. Yeah. And uh, then then I would come is now they're obviously onto it, and everybody's doubting, right? Right? There is a mole, and uh, I I don't quite recollect now. Tell me, when Mark Wahlberg and Alec Baldwin get together because they have this big case about. uh or big uh, uh tip about castello uh, that is jack nicholson's character is going to sh- sell off these microchips which could be used for military purposes or the microprocessors to the chinese yeah. gang yes yeah yeah so then they have a meeting with the entire police department and obviously matt damon is the shining star so he's probably going to lead that uh, investigation or whatever so do you want to talk about that scene or should i talk about this scene because if somebody asks me which are your favorite lines it's that scene <laughs> between it's Baldwin hard to talk Buck. about that scene without dropping some f bombs and i don't yeah. really <laughs> want to do it necessarily but what i will tell about that scene uh and by extension a lot of the scenes that involve the characters of Alec Baldwin and Mark Wahlberg two things had to happen one the writing right like yeah. the dialogues had to be really sharp and the second part of that is it has to be delivered precisely correct i i honestly try to imagine um some of the other any other actors playing it i don't see it at least any actors at that current time um i i don't really know who could have done it now uh you may you may have read about this if, when you did your research on this film but uh for the role played by Mark Wahlberg one other option was Ray Liotta you know who's acted in Scorsese's Goodfellas, uh, Goodfellas. 
I don't see as good as Ray Liotta is uh, as a performer. I don't think he could have brought that uh, abrasiveness that Mark Wahlberg did. <laughs> like he just like looks at you and eviscerates you with his words. Yeah. And yeah. I was thinking, man, if I was in Leo's or even like Matt Damon's shoes, like when they were in uh, in that room, I would probably just like shrink because <laughs> exactly. like, man, it's a verbal beatdown. And then yeah. you have Alec Baldwin's character, who is, again, now both Alec Baldwin and Mark Wahlberg, they have made a career out of playing roles like this. But yeah, this is like the peak of their career in terms of delivering exactly what the character demanded. And he, in fact, even making it better than yeah. how it was originally written. And I think they were a great pair, you know, the back and forths. And it was just like sharp. Shop. It was just again. I can't. I wish I could say the dialogue, <laughs> but if you watch the movie, you will know what we're referring to. Yeah. You know, um, um, they ask about their wives and their mothers, and they, you know, it's just razor sharp. And you know, they they're just like teasing each other. Uh, but yeah, it was just a great. Uh, that scene was just a great exhibition of writing and just delivering those lines. Yeah. And there's one line, and I think I can skip the profanities in that and speak about it. Is essentially they've. So they are the feds and again, they're saying that there are moles in FBI and, you know, I, yeah. they are, they are constantly hesitant to give any information. And I think the, the police team wants to know who are the undercover cops so they can kind of protect them or they can be there if they call or, you know, if Wahlberg or sorry, Digman or Quinnen are not there, then maybe they can help out. But these guys won't give the identity. And uh, he says that uh, my strategy with the feds is like uh, very simple. You <laughs> feds are like mushrooms. You feed them S and leave them in the dark. <laughs> and he just, <laughs> Matt Damon's reaction to it. He just can't stop laughing. And I thought it was very genuine. I don't know if it was yeah. scripted or whatever, but it was just so genuine. Like he was just probably a little bit like, dude, you've just delivered a great dialogue. And I appreciated <laughs> that kind of yeah. Uh, yeah. reaction. So that was fun. So anyway, now the cat and mouse game is going on. And obviously uh, they are trying to pull off. Uh, so this is a big, big, big uh, so, how did you, so they they know Costello. Uh, they know Costello is doing a lot of wrong things, but I think they are building up a strong case so that once we nab him, there is no way he gets out. Because given how big he is, he will find a way to get bail or whatever, or just a shorter term reduced term. What they are, I think, what Kunin and Dingman's plan is that they want him to be in there for life. So he never gets out. So they're trying to build the case, which is why Leo has to be in there and get all the lowdown on him. Now they go for this uh, raid uh, where he's going to meet the Chinese guys to sell off the microprocessors. And another scene uh, where Matt Damon, which I found very unbelievable at this point, okay, Benny, now that I think, look back at it. So they all are in that room where all the cameras have been put up at the side and, you know, the camera guy is taking them through the different shots and they're observing all that has been played out. Matt Damon is sitting and we had those, oh God, makes me feel so old that I actually remember having those flip phones. Oh, these flip phones, yeah. And the Blackberry kind of QWERTY keyboards. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And, and Matt Damon is sending a long text to Costello, uh, hiding one with, he's typing that QWERTY keyboard with one hand, one thumb in one hand, yeah. and he's sending it from his, underneath his jacket while sitting beside Baldwin and his bosses. 
kind of unbelievable honestly for me at this yeah, point yeah yeah absolutely <laughs> i i mean again like i never rewatched this after the initial viewing back in 2006 yeah. and then w- watching it uh, a couple of days ago a lot of the scenes in this film they don't pass the smell test they don't like you have to suspend your disbelief you have to be like okay yeah this has to happen for the movie to move on to for the what? plot to uh and i feel like that will be one of the big parts of you know when we talk about what didn't work uh the yeah. believability of a lot of things um, <laughs> so that was I'll... actually a very good example the phone thing he had to be Just... like super like a super user to type a perfect text without any typos exactly without have... anybody wondering what is he doing in his pocket like why is this in exactly. his pocket and moving around why just so... one hand <laughs> So yes, that's so, one of those things you just uh, yeah. But the next best line for me from So here's this, okay? As we go through you'll hear us talk about Wahlberg's character a lot. To me, yeah. despite the A cast, despite awesome how awesome everybody is and there are great scenes between Damon and Leo and that confrontation is fantastic or when they discover they are the moles etc. That's fantastic. By the way, Wahlberg had I think got the best lines. and yeah absolutely he was he was untouched at the end of the movie so i think <laughs> he got the best deal <laughs> i, mean, I don't know me, if scorsese loves him but he got the best deal in my opinion for me so, uh the two stars of the film for uh, where one was leo uh but the other one was mark walberg because leo got probably the best performance out of it yeah. but Mark Wahlberg got the best lines out of it. Lines that are so iconic today, like they yeah. can they're memes and if you like Google like you know best movie dialogues or whatever, like a lot of the lines from The Departed and a lot of them from Yeah. uh Digman's character. So yeah. Yeah. So Digman obviously uh this whole raid they are watching, this whole transaction being played out and suddenly they lose the they lose costello and the gang because the cameras apparently were not placed right or whatever so obviously walberg loses his head completely and he he's like who who's the who's the camera guy and then this camera guy looks up like who who are you and he's like i'm the guy who does the job you're the other guy like he just goes blasting yeah. at <laughs> you must be the other guy <laughs> and yep. i couldn't stop laughing and i'm like whoa that was that was a great line delivered so imagine the situation is so tense and he still uh, pumps you up and like just before that in the meeting you know alec baldwin after walberg has had his blast and god of baldwin says he's generally a nice guy sometimes he's like this yeah. that was <laughs> so... one of my favorite lines from the film where he's just like with a deadpan expression saying that yeah he's usually uh, normally he's a very nice guy, nice guy. so that was uh, also delivered very well Correct. So uh that that's one operation that gets botched up which I guess puts everybody on a high alert that we have a mole in the department and uh Queenan uh meets up with DiCaprio and tells him look you got to find the guy uh who is the mole in the department and then but I think Jack Nicholson is also testing uh Leo at that point. So there is some theories floating around right about how did Costello miss the fact that um uh, Costigan was playing a double role essentially and he's the mole and there have been like some theories that he knew but since he himself was an FBI informant for mm. 
spoiler alert if you're still yes. listening to it <laughs> without <laughs> watching the movie um they've uh the, some of the theories were he was just like letting him just play it out or mm. the other theories are he was very fond of uh costigan by this time but i think it actually goes back to the very basic. You don't have to theorize too much. Again, this is just yeah. a plot thing to move the plot along. If Costello was like, because, come on, both Costigan and Sullivan should have been caught a lot sooner. <laughs> they did a so, lot of highly suspicious things and were getting away with it. Yeah, um, like... Like after every team meeting or every order, he's calling his dad. Okay. Matt Damon's character, yeah. Sullivan, is calling his dad. Dad, I'll be late for lunch. Dad, I'll be late for dinner. Sorry, who calls your dad? I don't end up calling my mom. And I work in a very straightforward, simple company. No, and shop. especially like, when everybody is on high alert, like knowing yeah. there are moles, yeah. you're going to be looking around. You're going to be looking around, seeing who's doing anything suspicious. And if someone is. Exactly on their phone almost immediately after something has been briefed or some announcement has been made, you should be on like high alert, like, okay, this is very exactly. suspicious. I need to follow up on this. But these two keep getting the benefit of the doubt. But, and again, that goes back to saying this, the plot needed to keep moving forward. So yeah, the scene with uh, Jack Nicholson, uh, Jack Nicholson's Costello really kind of testing out uh, Leo's uh, costume mm. character. Le Leo's performance. I mean, I I want to talk about Leo's performance separately because yeah. I really love uh, his performance here. Same. He does a great job in this scene because he's putting up this brave front, right? Like he's trying to convince Costello that, hey, I'm I'm all right. I'm not yeah. the mole. But at the same time, he's able to portray anxiety. Yeah, And the sense of like, it's going to come crashing down any moment. I'm probably going to get killed right here, yeah. right now. Yeah, yeah. And he's able to play this dual, this duality so well. And all this time, Jack Nicholson's character is not giving him anything. He's not clearly saying, you know, I'm suspicious of you. Or he's not saying, you know what, I believe you. Um, but he does like, come on, he does ask him a very legitimate question. Like, why did you leave immediately? Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. After giving the the socials information. Yeah. Yeah. And Leo's response is not necessarily convincing. I don't even know if he responds directly to that. He's just yeah. like, I don't want to sit around. Right. Like that's what he says yeah. initially. Um, and somehow Costello just, what, just like, just leaves that and doesn't really yeah. drill down and get a response, which leads me to believe that, um. Scorsese just didn't want us to dwell too much on it either. <laughs> He's like, hey, let it go, let listen, it go. <laughs> I'm making a film. Just buy what I'm trying to sell here, okay? Exactly. So that's all that's going He's on. He's probably like, um, look, look, if I let these guys get discovered within one hour, what are you going to watch for the next one hour? Like, I don't have material enough, so I need yeah, to stretch yeah. this out. But it's, okay. a great, it's a great scene involving three people, actually. I mean, we, we're talking about Jack Nicholson and Leo, but there's also uh, Ray Winstone, who plays the character, Mr. French. Uh, Mr. French, who is like a silent stealer of the show, too. Like we talk about Mark Wahlberg and the thing Mark Wahlberg's character sticks out is because of his lines, the lines yeah. that he gets yeah. and the kind of outlandish performance also he, he puts in. Ray Winstone is the exact opposite. opposite he keeps yeah. his words to a minimum, but when he does, they're laced with menace. They're <laughs> laced with this caustic wit. Um uh, and he's he's does a solid job too. 
do you want to talk about the scene uh, which is again another favorite scene because i completely cracked up uh, when he which when was he the cranberry juice one <laughs> <laughs> can i tell you when i watched that scene that's kind of early on in the film right very early when, on that's uh, when he's he's going to get he's beaten up the guys and they nab him right yeah. in the bar they nab him in the bar because they have to deal with him yeah. this is before the uh, are you a cop scene i think isn't it if i'm not mistaken He, he, it is, but Leo. Uh, the whole issue with the, uh, at least that particular part of the scene is like when Leo asks for cranberry juice and he picks a fight with this guy who mocks yeah. him. Yeah, yeah. And then Ray, Mr. French comes and kind of sorts it out, saying, "Hey, there are some guys you can hit. There are some yeah. guys you cannot hit. This is a guy you can not quite hit." Yeah. And he does this whole spiel, <laughs> and um, and and then he asks, "Like, what do you want now?" And Leo thinks long and hard, and he's like cranberry juice. <laughs> and again, another scene where the whole theater just cracked up, and I was thinking, "This is my favorite film. Like, this is it. This scene has won me over, and we are just getting started." Um, and even Mr. French's reaction to it, and kind of mocking him, saying, "Are you in your period?" And I was like, "This is just great acting, great dialogues." So. Uh, that's one of my favorite scenes from any film, let alone this film. So, yeah. My God, because I, I had, I remembered the confrontation, but I couldn't remember the exact dialogue at that point when I was rewatching, and I cracked up completely. Yeah. I'm like, oh my God, yes, this is, and it's so well delivered, like you said, you know, uh, Riverstone just is like calm and cool, and he's just like wiping the glass and like get on with it, like. <laughs> because, but that's the other thing, right? When we watch most gangster films, like you. Just go in thinking, okay, this is going to be a serious film. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of violence. There, the language is going to be coarse. Um, and so when you go in with that mindset, and Scorsese was like flipping it up a little bit, saying, yes. "I can still inject humor into this." Like these, there's so much violence in that scene, you know. And Raymond Stone is uh, the Mr. French is essentially like, in, in a very kind of threatening manner, he tells. Costigan to stand down and essentially yeah. saying him, these are the rules of the game. You don't just like pick fights with wh whoever you want, Correct. and then inject this whole cranberry juice uh, joke in there. And I was like, like it didn't feel out of place. A lot of the times no, it can be like, no. wait a minute, these are two different movies. <laughs> it didn't feel. But it's, uh, it's so in character. They all are always yeah. in character. This is exactly how. Even um, so, just to again go back. Uh, Vera's character, she plays a psychiatrist in the film, where she, uh, her most of her patients are cops who have killed and come to her to you know if they are going through trauma to talk to her. So, so the, actually, you know, in the initial scene where Queenan and um, uh, Dignam, when they're talking to Costigan and saying, "Okay, this is the ruse we're going to do. We're going to like get you on some charge, get you go to prison." Yeah. But since you're like essentially like a cop trainee who's been dishonorably, you know, essentially going through all of this, um, as part of the deal, you have to put up this show that you're going, um, you're on probation, uh, and right. part of the probation is you have to go to a therapist and have these sessions. Got That's it. how he that ends here. up okay. ends up having to go to uh, to see Vera's character, Madeline, um, and, and as far as you know. The two of them, like Matt Damon's character and Leo's character, going to the same woman, 
Uh, and one of them ends up actually dating her and I think yeah. they get married if I'm not mistaken. They don't they don't they don't get married. They are about to get married and then she discovers. Okay, 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 you're right. Yeah. Um and I think I mean we have to the reason why Matt Damon never finds out is obviously we're going to we have to buy into this notion that Vera is good at maintaining confidentiality. Yeah. Um and not patient doctor. But also it's, it's a question of how much does she actually know because Leo was very yeah. good at not going into detail on what he was doing. I don't think it was ever implied about, you know, him telling her that he, no, was, no, being, no, he was going undercover. So no, I think no. that's where that comes in. Because even there, it's such a, he has such an intense session with her that, you know, I feel like I, I'm lost and I don't know who I am anymore. And uh, I need, I need pills. Yeah. I need help. Uh, I, I'm having nervous breakdowns. I'm having anxiety, panic attacks, etc. And she's like, no, I'm going to sign you two pills. And then he says, why don't you just give me, a, let me guess if this is correct. He says something to the effect of, why don't you just give me a gun or something and I'll just shoot myself. Like he walks yeah. out and storms <laughs> out with such anger. And yep. even then, like this is what I'm saying, right? He's talking about killing himself. Look, this is not something to be taken lightly. But it's just the way it's delivered is like, you end up laughing. Like you're like, okay, Leo, like your outburst. He throws her hilarious. off. Like she is... She starts that scene, that initial scene between Leo and Vera Farmiga's character. They're on an even keel. Yeah. But by the end, by the time he walks out, she you can see she's so like thrown off. Yeah. She's totally like, rattled. Just like, damn it. <laughs> and she just walks out and like gives him the film. Essentially, be like, you know what? I don't want to deal with you anymore. Yeah. <laughs> and then he's like, uh, hey, do you want to grab a cup of coffee now? Okay. <laughs> That and was, it's something uh, similar, but, right? Because Matt Damon also comes to her. And then at the end of the session, he's kind of like, hey, do you want to meet up? <laughs> Let's have a coffee or a dinner or lunch. And I'm like, also, how annoying mm-hmm. it must have been to be in that elevator when he's holding it uh, and then talking to Vera's character in their initial meeting. Oh, yes. Remember oh, yes. When they, oh, yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> I was thinking, oh, man, I would be so pissed if it was me in the elevator and this guy is like flirting with this guy. I'm like, really? Just get out of the elevator. Get out of here. <laughs> get out of want. here. You're not, you know, this This movie wasn't in the age of Me Too. Otherwise, Damon's character would have had it yeah. from Vera. Oh, yeah. <laughs> For sure. Oh, yeah. You yep. you cannot you cannot do that. Uh, that wasn't very charming, I must say that. But you know what? <laughs> what I loved about De- uh, Damon is he pulls off being the creep. He pulls off being this negative guy. He pulls off giving you that vibe. And you look at him because Damon's played the Martian and he's played this adorable widower in Be Bought the Zoo. And he's played this kick-ass action guy in Bond, uh, in the Bond trilogy. He's played this little bit of geeky weirdo in the Oceans trilogy. And what I really loved about him here is that you know he's like the sly, irritating, cunning guy. And he pulls it out pulls it off with a lot of panache and I I give it to Damon for that and I didn't think he got enough credit or he gets this role of his doesn't get spoken about as much as his other films because I think Leo gets spoken about more in this film but I thought Damon and Leo just yeah. complemented each other really well in their uh, characters I think the word that comes to mind for Matt Damon's performance in this film is smarmy yeah. you know it's That's one a of good those word. Like one of those guys who is nice or pretending to be nice, but you can also kind of see that he's just putting on an act. How Madeline fell for him, I don't get it. I like, have no idea. She's this <laughs> highly educated, well qualified woman 
who is a psychologist and she <laughs> fell for him it's it's one of those things that is hard for me to accept but again part of the accept it's a movie and move along so he but, but you know did, Benny even in real life uh logic yeah. love defies logic uh attraction yeah. defies logic and I Sadly. bet you have <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I'm sure you have felt that, up, that about couples around you. I have felt yeah. it about couples around me. And I'm like, what are you seeing? What are you seeing? Yeah. What is it that am I missing? So I bought it. I completely bought it. And by the way, very intelligent women I have seen fall for like utter creep. So I buy this. This I don't fault Scorsese's logic. <laughs> <laughs> it also doesn't, uh, I mean, it also helps that Matt Damon looks like how he looks so <laughs> he is like who would it be? <laughs> he, yeah so he so he did he did a great job but for me uh when i when we talk about the performances in this film right so matt damon is right up there uh yeah at the top um martin sheen okay mark Wahlberg, great lines but as far as yeah. acting it wasn't really stretching him no we can talk separately about Jack Nicholson's performance because uh, it's an interesting way that he's decided to act in this film. Yeah. But uh, completely knocking it out of the park and really kind of establishing his career uh, is Leo. Um, because it's funny, like the other day I was, um, when you know I knew that I had to watch The Departed for this show, uh, I was actually like thinking about all the different movies that he's done over the years yes. right like the first movie that, that i've ever watched of leo was titanic all of um, us <laughs> quite a grand star to you know like people recognizing him right he became like an instant like recognized around the world kind of yeah. person it's hard to maintain that first of all but not only did he maintain it he outgrew it right because he's gone on to do some really mature roles all sorts of roles. He's done action. He's done romance. He's done thrillers. He's done historical pieces. He's now done like gangster pieces. And I realized like 80 to 90% of the films that he's done, not only have I watched it, I've like loved it to the point where I, it just dawned on me that he's probably my favorite actor of all time. <laughs> and it's it never registered in my head. It's like what I said on Oppenheimer, right? I didn't realize how much yeah. I like Matt Damon until Oppenheimer. I didn't realize. So it's probably because you just take them for granted. You just go there expecting exactly, them to deliver. Exactly. And they it, deliver. It's like consistently, like when when you know that Leo's acting in a film, you're like, I'm going to watch that. Like, I don't Same. I don't even know what it's about. Yeah. I'm watching it. And there Same. are not a lot of actors like that anymore. Um, and he's just... He always works with the best directors, right? He does. He, he always does. works. I mean, we talked. You mentioned Robert De Niro. Robert De Niro was essentially Martin Scorsese's muse. Like he yeah. worked with him from the seventies, um, in the eighties, and even in in nineteen nineties. And then it changed to Leo, um, yeah. and he's worked a bunch with him. And I'm so excited for their next collaboration, where all three of them are coming together coming to together. the point where I feel yeah. like. That's going to be my, my, it will become my new all-time favorite Scorsese film. Like, I just feel it in my bones. I, like, <laughs> all three of these people coming together and it's going to be amazing. But yeah, Leo is is definitely interesting. He is, I guess he's my all-time favorite actor. I, I, I just love <laughs> all his films. 
and I didn't even realize that Shutter Island, which I've considered one of my all-time favorites, was directed by Scorsese. And I'm like, how did I not know this? <laughs> I saw you right there. Is it the best performance? I was like, Benny, Benny, Shutter Island. Shutter Island. Yeah, Shutter <laughs> Island. A lot of people don't give credit to Gangs of New York. I love Gangs of New York a lot. I did too. Did. I have no idea why people don't think it's great. Yeah, I, I don't... It. I, I, yeah, it's it didn't do as well. It's a lot of blood, though. It's a lot of, lot of violence. Yeah, people didn't like some of the casting choices with, like, with Cameron Diaz in it. But come on, Daniel Day-Lewis and Leonardo DiCaprio in it, directed exactly. by Scorsese. It was amazing. It was fun. But Again, I, I enjoyed it. Again, like I told you, right, I was in the zone where I used to absolutely enjoy mobster mafia movies. So I don't know yeah. if I would enjoy them today, but... At that point, I did. So I, now, this I really was, liked it. The, the fact that all these years, Leo is still maintaining that level of high quality work, right? 2006, you know, it's also the same year that he acted in Blood Diamond, which is another of my <laughs> favorite same. films. And he's, he's at a golden year uh, because he gets nominated for multiple awards for both these films <laughs> in the same year. And then fast forward to today, and he's still getting nominated for awards Amazing. almost every other year. Like, he is one of the best actors uh, in film history. And the fact that he's been able to do a lot of this at a, a young age and deliver convincingly. And I think The Departed was a great example of like Leo just like hitting pitch perfect when faced with like surrounded by like an all star cast and still coming out on top as like the best performance. Absolutely. That was amazing. To- what I loved about, see, it's very easy to become this rough, tough, uh, smart uh, cop, okay, yeah. and be this sleek, uh, you know, uh, sleuth, uh, or be this smart person in the whole gangster um, uh, squad and not be figured out. What Leo brought to the table, which I think is the key when we talk about the recasting, is constantly, constantly he was worried constantly anxious constantly vulnerable that i'm going to be blown my cover's going to be blown away and then there are going to be bullets in my head and i'm going to be thrown chopped in pieces and thrown away everywhere like nobody will know that i existed my identity will never be known and i will die being a convict in all his scenes at this i realized especially when i rewatched is he brings that vulnerability so well to his character yeah. It's yeah. not overdone. It is just right. It is just perfect. He is not yeah. weak. He's smart. Constantly, we are reminded that he scored 1400 on his SATs or whatever. So constantly, we are reminded that he's a smart cookie. But when he's, even when he's interviewing, right, he's topped his academy. He's done great. And he's interviewing with Sheen and uh, Wahlberg. His body language. So he's agitated and frustrated like i have done so awesome why are you being so nasty to me but he's constantly he brings that vulnerability to the screen i loved uh he, the that. poor guy never i don't remember him smiling at any point Ever. in this film <laughs> he wasn't he was either angry or worried anxious yeah. um but like like i said vulnerable like especially with Completely. madeline was one of those few times where he was yeah. just like kind of able to relax as much as he could and just be himself true and it's not an easy thing to portray because especially for big stars you feel like you have to maintain an image of like i've got this under control right yeah regardless yeah. of how bad a situation i'm in 
I got this. Yeah. He doesn't do that. And he yep. shows, and you can feel along with him. You're, you're worried for him. You're stressed yeah. for him and you want him to make it out. Okay. Yeah. Which is one of those reasons why the ending is so, so powerful. And it still I remains one of it. the best endings best, that I've ever watched. The best. I mean, <laughs> I was in a shock. Like my, I was like, what the hell just happened? It took me. And you know what? Scorsese does this in the film throughout all the big yeah. deaths that happen you don't get to brood or pause on like what the hell happened like, somebody, yeah they're not like, a big character died next yeah. moment something is happening immediately some action is happening and i'm like scorsese can you pause the screen for a minute and let us digest what has happened because i'm going to come to the next scene because all these raids have misfired and everybody knows costello probably doubts leo and uh, this whole, they have to submit their social security numbers because he's going to give the envelope to Damon. Uh, Leo yeah. almost follows them and almost catches Damon, but he doesn't, he misses his face in that chase, in that, uh, uh, after the, it's really funny. They are in a porn movie theater. It's a porn theater, yeah. It's a porn theater, <laughs> like it's ridiculous. Anyways, <laughs> so off they go and Leo calls a Quinnan and says, look, this guy, is there i know it but i just don't know who the face is i haven't seen the face so then they decided to uh they decide to meet up right and obviously damon comes to know and damon because he's been put in charge of uh, you can investigate whosoever he's been put in charge of finding the mole in the department which is another irony he puts a tail on quinnan and when they meet on the roof uh uh Leo's character asks Quinnan, are you being tailed? Are you being tailed? And this is where the arrogance comes in, right? Like Quinnan says, no, why would I be tailed? Like who would be following me? No, nobody's following me. So anyway, the gangs come, Damon tips off, the gangs are coming, Costello's gang is coming. And Quinnan in a very sacrificial way says, you escape son through the fire escape, I'll handle them. Uh, I don't think the gang planned on killing Quinnan. I think it happens in the struggle that they have i don't think they came with the intention to kill quinn and they wanted to find who the mole is uh the queen and scene is um uh, for me that was one of the first kind of gasp scenes in the theater when it when it happens um so the reason i believe that queen and w- was not thinking that anyone would be tailing him right mm. is because for one he never suspected inexplicably he never suspected sullivan Right, but Sullivan is the one charged with finding them all. In his mind, why would Sullivan uh, think of even like tailing Queenan? Right, hmm. it's arrogance, but also it makes sense to me. Like you would think, there's it doesn't make any sense why they would tail me. I was the one who assigned this charge, so why would they yeah. tail me? Uh, and the fact that Leo, by this time, he's like paranoid. Right, yeah, crossing completely. in his paranoid, he sees dangers all around yeah. him. So he asks the question like, "Are you tailed?" And he says, "No." But when they eventually find out, okay, you know, uh, Costello's guys are there. Queenan is like, "All right, you go." Rewatching it, it just struck me how, as as much as as much as Queenan was kind of scared in that moment, he also had this belief like, "Hey, I'm a high ranking police officer." Why they cannot they, they they'll probably rough me up, but yeah. nothing is going to happen to me, and so I'll I'll manage it somehow, right? Yeah. 
even as a viewer, you're thinking, yeah. yeah, there'll probably be some like kind of aggressive jostling and kind of like, you know. So you see the guys run up and they kind of ask him, they ask Queen, where's the, where's the guy? Where's the mole kind of, uh, and, and you could see them, they kind of surround him and they kind of like, yeah. And then the scene cuts to Leo, right? Yeah. Yeah. So all the while in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, so Leo's going to like escape. He's going to get out of there. And then in the next scene, we'll probably see Queenan explain to people in the office, like, Hey, this yeah. is what happened. Or even like calling Leo and saying, Hey, I made it out. Okay. So that first gasp for the moment was, you see it in slow motion first, right? Yeah. I'm like, come on. Uh, or not, I don't even know if it's slow motion, but you see this body falling. It is, it's slow, falling. Motion. It's it is slow, slow motion. motion, okay. It is slow motion. So Leah's walking and then it's like a cut. It's a cut to yeah. this body and you know it. And I remember, I like... again, the theater was just like, what? <laughs> what happened? And it lands with this thud. There's blood you know, kind of spurred and... You could see the face, uh, Leo's face, and I felt like as a viewer, we were also having the same, yeah, same reaction. Can you, can we just pause and appreciate how big of an achievement that is to make viewers feel the same way that character is feeling? Because yeah, as viewers, we watch what we watch tons of movies and TV shows every year, right? Yeah, you're used to if you watch movies, the kind of movies that Scorsese makes, you're used to violence, you're used to all of those dramatic deaths. Yeah. The fact that you can still make the viewer just like shocked, yeah, and get it like a reaction out of them, like a visceral reaction in that moment, that was just amazing. And that was when it first struck me in the whole movie, like nobody's safe. <laughs> it's it's the first moment, so you're you now you realize like, okay, this there's no messing around here. People no. can die. Anybody can die. It and it still didn't prepare me for what happens later exactly, in the film. So exactly. It was. And, and this was the start of, uh, other than uh, Frank Costello's uh, death, this was the start of inconsequential characters which were inconsequential or small roles at that point that start killing the big, big characters. Okay. I was like, what the hell just happened? But yeah. Leo doesn't get time to react, Benny. This is... There are two yeah, people. Yeah, he has I to guess, immediately right? switch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There are just two people who know his identity as a cop. One just died. The topmost boss just died. He has no business to, no time to react because the guys spot him and they're like, come on, let's get in. Let's get in and, and go. And it's it's that scene is so hil shocking and hilarious at the same time because the guys who are tailing Quinnan are talking to Sullivan. Something's fallen out of the building. Something bodies fallen out of the building. What do we do? What do we do? And Sullivan tells him, don't react, don't react. And then these guys are like, get yeah, it. I mean, I just got to get out and shoot. <laughs> like, I'm like total chaos and mayhem is happening in that scene. And um, yeah. the person who gets shot, I didn't, again, questions. I didn't realize he was, of course, until then we don't know he's an undercover cop. But he and Leo have a dialogue. And yeah. The wrong address one. So just walk me through that because I was like, if you are the undercover cop, why? And you realize Leo is, why would you rat on him and give him away? But he didn't rat on him though, right? No, no, he was planning to. He threatens him, doesn't he? He, that. he. Well, it's implied. It the scene implies. Yeah. So the scene implies that. Listen, I could have ratted on you because yeah. I gave you the wrong address, but you still came to the right address. And which, right is, address, which, by yeah. the way, another great scene because again yeah. on rewatch. 
when he calls on the phone and he tells him the address and I'm thinking in my head, wait, that's the wrong address. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. The I number imme- is 644, not 641 or whatever. I, the numbers didn't match up. I, I thought it was like a movie mistake. I genuinely yeah. thought it was a movie mistake. I didn't think it was part of the story. So he gives him the wrong address and then Leo turns up and then later he gets shot. So on, you know, like, so back to back to that warehouse scene or wherever and they, uh, I think it's, French or the other guy who asks um, Leo, like, where were you? You know, you were not at home. No, it's the other guy. It's the other guy. The other guy who's his partner, who partners right, with right, this right. Un- other undercover cop. I, I forget so the character's him, name. He asks him, where were you? You were not at home. Yeah. And Leo's just trying to, like, you know, kind of get, uh, just trying to, like, dispel suspicion. And then this guy calls him around, like, he's dying out. He's bleeding out and he's about to die. And then he tells him, listen, I gave you the wrong address, but you came to the right address. And I know you're the rat. Now, initially, I, I, I thought, okay, he genuinely like was about to rat him out. But there are two things which convinced me that he was un- undercover and mm-hmm. that he was essentially like trying to like let Leo know that he was on the same side as him. And that's it. Because he does ask him, why do you think that I haven't ratted you out. He actually asks that, or he says something to the effect yeah. of, um, now ask yourself, why haven't I yeah. told the others? And then he dies. So yeah. Leo actually goes for his gun because he thinks he's going to rat him out. And that's when he grabs mm. Leo, mm. right? But there's no intent. I didn't see any intention that he was going to like immediately like shut. In fact, if anything, he had so much time to tell the others that Leo yeah, was a rat. He didn't. True. That's true. Right? That's and true. then... The other thing which kind of solidified for me that he was undercover and that he was not planning to rat on uh, Leo was when they're watching the news report later and then they see the news report, like the cops say that an undercover cop died. Um, And then someone else in the gang asks, like, so he was undercover? Like he was Mm -hmm. a mole or something? And Costello, Jack Nicholson's character, says the cops are just trying to convince that he's undercover. That's just their way of brushing it off. But for me, I was thinking, well, he's an FBI informant and he Probably is knows. trying to kind of play the game here and he doesn't want people to know that mm. he's undercover. Yeah. Uh, so those are the reasons why I, I could accept like, okay, he didn't rat him out uh, right. once he knew that Leo came to the right address, yeah. even though he came the wrong one. So now we'll wrap up because we're always at the end of the story and now Costello needs to get nabbed. <laughs> And Sullivan discovers that Costello is the FBI informant and he switches side. (laughs) So I I thought that was interesting, the way Matt Damon and uh, Frank Nicholson's confrontation went uh, with each other. I didn't expect Damon to take and shoot the gun and shoot Costello out. I did not. I did not expect that. It's so tense, okay, because Quinnan's dead and the phone is sitting with uh, Sullivan, uh, Sullivan. And before that, Wahlberg and Baldwin have another fantastic scene, right? Because Wahlberg's completely (laughs) lost it. And he goes, hammers Matt Damon physically. And uh, Baldwin says, stop it. Like, I'm the boss. Quinnan's gone. I'm your boss. You listen to me. He's like, I'd rather put in my uh, resignation uh, papers. And Baldwin says, yeah, sure. Why not? There are lots of bartender jobs around. (laughs) Two weeks notice. Off you go. (laughs) Like, they're like... Yeah. hate each other so anyway so Wahlberg's out of the scene now Dingman's gone but can I also very quickly just say yeah. in that scene that very moment I 
I don't remember if I physically did it. I'm sure mentally I was doing it when Mark Wahlberg throws a punch at Matt Damon because this is yeah. like a couple of scenes after Queen's yeah, yeah. death. Yeah, yeah. I, I was cheering for Mark Wahlberg. I was like so yeah. happy, like because it was like <laughs> he was doing what I would have wanted to do. I wanted to punch Matt Damon so bad. <laughs> His character is so bad. You so. killed you killed Quinnen and you got him murdered yeah. like that was that was yeah. the emotion so fair enough obviously the phone is Quinnen's phone is sitting on uh, uh, Wahlberg's desk and he picks it up sees one number and he dials and good lord Benny that scene is so good because again I think Leo nails the anxiety he doesn't know yeah. whether to call or to pick up or answer or not then you they show him packing everything like he's gonna just go away and leave the phone but then he calls back and he says, who's this? You're the one who called me from the dead man's phone. And then Sullivan convinces him that, look, Quinnen's gone. I'm here for you. Come over. Give me the tip. What's happening next? And then that's where uh, Costello's raid, next raid is where Leo's going to be on the raid. Uh, this is the cocaine uh, drugs uh, transfer they're doing. And he ma- during the investigation or discussion, they realized that Costello is the FBI informant. And Damon then starts getting scared that he may rat him out to save yeah. himself. So obviously the next thing he does is shoots Costello. Well done. Like, okay, second death. <laughs> so Quinnen's gone. The heads are gone. Costello's gone. Quinnen's gone. Now it's all about who survives between Damon and uh, Leo, uh, yeah. DiCaprio. So they come and Damon's again being very nice to uh, Caprio saying, I'm going to recommend you for a merit of honor. We will get you back your identity. And he's like, I don't want to be a cop anymore i'm done with this get me my identity scrap off my criminal conviction records make it clean give me the money and i'm going i have nothing to do with you guys and uh damon goes there with the intention of uh obviously deleting his record uh, because he's realized that uh, he knows that he's the moon again the loophole i felt why would damon just leave the envelope which was given to him by Costello on the desk to be discovered. You are on the edge. <laughs> you are investigating the mole. How can you leave the biggest proof out there? Here's what I'll tell you about this film, having rewatched it uh, more than 16 years apart. Martin Scorsese at many times in this film was just phoning it in. <laughs> he was like, you know what? I don't care. <laughs> Take it. <laughs> he was like, how do I make Leo discover that Matt Damon is a mole? Well, so let's lame. just keep the envelope on the table. Like, no, he's not going to do it. He's probably going to put it in his drawer or destroy it because yeah. I'm sure it's been a while since uh, Jack Nicholson's character passed that information. Why would you still have it? Like, no, it doesn't make any logical sense. No. Only for the plot to move along, you needed Correct. that. So, which is yeah. why, going back to what I said earlier, The Departed is my favorite Scorsese film, but it is definitely not his best work because. No. And he himself has admitted it, right? When yeah, he won yes, the yes. Oscar for this film, he said, <laughs> of all, he, he, he was essentially saying, <laughs> of all the movies I've made, you're going to give me an Oscar for this? <laughs> I didn't even, I, I I didn't even care Leo- for this film. <laughs> Leo must have had the same reaction. I'm like, of all the performances I put in and got nominated for, you give me for The Revenant and not for the other films. Right. Which is I haven't even watched The why... Revenant, by the way. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's a good performance by him. It's, it's actually what I would call an Oscar bait performance because he did everything that people who make the big decisions at the Oscars, uh, you on. know, 
look for you. But he was. But no, he was the thing about here, he was excellent at blind diving. The thing about the thing about Oscar, which is again a topic for another day, uh, but the thing about Oscars is that a lot of the times they don't give you an award for what you really deserve. It's more like a lifetime achievement award. They kind of retrospectively or yeah. kind of give you like like you know what you did some good work in the last five years. So let's just give you one award yeah. this time. You know, like that's a thing. So I don't take that too seriously anymore, but it's still uh, a fact that this is among Scorsese's like lesser works. And it's kind Definitely. of uh, amusing that this is the one he gets an Oscar he won the for. Because there are so many loopholes uh, in this film. Yeah. So, and I, I don't know, maybe uh, it's not like there were bad films that year there were some pretty good films in 2006 so i was a bit it may not have been the most prolific year for hollywood where every movie was competing for the best picture award but yeah there were quite a few which were pretty good so i'm surprised that even amongst those the departed one because there were clear loopholes at that point i mean it was just extremely entertaining film and very well acted come on but we had to like you said you know not everything didn't sit right so anyways yes. leo leo's discovered demon is the evil mole and he has to run for his life or whatever but then uh, he goes he meets vera hands her an envelope and he calls demon and says look dude he's already sent the tapes to demon's house and sent him a which vera discovers and realizes that he's the mole and she shuts him off and demon calls leo and says okay good i'll meet you on the roof the same roof where quinnan died where the only way up is the lift the fire escape is not an easy way to get out leo calls him on the same roof why would you do that why not any other spot why not any other area <laughs> where he can escape easily why in the, on that roof in that building under construction Maybe fair point, but uh, <laughs> if I was kind of look at it. it from Leo's perspective, I think um, I can buy the fact that he was very bitter about Queenan's death, yeah, and it definitely. almost is poetic to bring Sullivan to the scene of the crime because Sullivan wasn't there, right, when no. yeah, Queenan yeah. was thrown out of the building. Yeah. So in a way, he was forcing him to confront the consequences of his actions. Mm. Like that's how I'm buying that. Um, but yeah, logically speaking, it was probably not the best, but at the same time, I don't think Leo was expecting anybody else. Like he had called the other guy, the other cop guy, with, with Dingman to, uh, to yeah, get him there, right? To help him, he would not have accounted for the other guy, um, no. played by, um, James Badgedale, you know, who, I don't want to get to that part yet. I feel like I'm delaying <laughs> <laughs> the can, scene can. Okay. where it's it all okay, ends. Okay. Um, but but no, so he didn't account for some of the things, which is ultimately devastating consequences for him. Yeah. So I guess at this point, Leo finally thinks he has everybody in his pocket because he's got the big proof yeah. that... One is that he's trying to play up on Matt Damon's character Sullivan psychologically because he was like the adopted son for Costello. But Costello has left the proof that Sullivan is the rat with his lawyer and asked the lawyer to contact Leo. So 
Leo's become the heir de facto for Costello versus Sullivan. So he's trying to, I think, emotionally play on that factor psychologically with Sullivan. Like, look, hey, you spent your whole life with Costello, but he left me the proof of your uh, evil deed that I can expose you. And he thinks that will play Sullivan down. But Sullivan, I think, is pretty hardwired and evil. It's a pretty big loophole, by the way. Like, why would the lawyers send him the tapes? Uh, another, <laughs> let's chalk it up to another. Let's uh, Exactly. So anyway, like, I think we're at a point where you're like, okay, we love the movie. I still love it. I enjoy it. I'm going to ignore the loopholes. So forget it. Yes. <laughs> so yeah. anyway, so they have a confrontation and he tells, then the cop comes and the the other guy who was in the academy with Leo and also in Sullivan's team. And he wants to believe Leo. And he's like, maybe you have all the evidence. So he's like, let me go. And I'm going to take him, uh, Sullivan, uh, to the police station or whatever. So they're in the elevator. And I think at this point, Damon actually thinks I'm dead. So he's scared. First time I think Damon is scared. Great performance, by the way, in that elevator. Perfect. Excellent. <laughs> Excellent. So he goes from this confident, I'm going to ruin you kind of a guy to this absolute realization that, oh, I'm done for. He's you like know? pleading like, with them. Like, just like, yeah. kill me. Just kill, kill me. End me. it now. <laughs> kill me. End it now. I don't want to get out of the elevator alive. Like, come on. This is great. Both of them are doing so great. And, Leo is like so casually like, look, I've got this, I've won this, you know, I'm, I'm going to go his, to a free life. His last lines, like famous last words, like when, um, you know, uh, Sullivan is saying, just kill yeah. me. And uh, Leo's or Costigan's <laughs> famous last words are, I will kill you or I'm going to kill yeah, you. And, and then the elevator door opens. Boom. Like. <laughs> <laughs> did you just kill off my favorite character in the film why would you in the why theater would you do this the loudest audible gasp i've heard i mean there have been a few movies in which i've actually heard like the whole theater react as one yeah yeah right like a lot of the marvel films i've uh, watched they have been like that so for a non-superhero film uh a film that really draws you in and has an entire audience reacting as one like yeah, that scene all after all these years remains like even when watch rewatching it, yeah. I knew the scene was coming and it still Same. was so hard because yeah. the elevator opens and and the, Leo doesn't like like again this is a great example where a lesser actor would have been like shown this shocked face like oh my god yeah. you know Leo's just like casually walking like about yeah. to walk out of the lift and then he just sees head like just Blown you know, hit back. Yeah, and I I remember like we just, uh, all the the whole theater we just gasped and was like, what the hell happened? <laughs> and even like Matt Damon's character is also like just like, like what just happened? Like it was like <laughs> nobody saw it coming, uh, and it was so so effective, and it, it remains one of my favorite <laughs> dead scenes uh, of all time, just for how abrupt it was. There was no fanfare. There was no like emotional music lingering shots on the body in fact it was just the elevator door just like you know yeah i was like man that is so brutal that yeah that so 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 brutal like i said scorsese throughout this movie doesn't let you pause and digest that your favorite characters are dying he just doesn't let you do that like he didn't give leo the time to pause over quinlan's death he does the same to the audience over leo's death then the other guy poor i felt so bad for him poor guy is just trying to help everyone comes down 
And of course, the guy who shoots Leo is, we've seen him in a couple of scenes before where Sullivan is not even nice to him. Sullivan is quite a prick to him, to be very honest. Yeah. Okay, he's, yeah. So there's no way. And then he's like, did you think you are the only mole uh, for Costello? We have to look out for ourselves. Costello was going to rat on us. And he's like training Matt Damon, like, okay, you know, we should team up. The other guy comes, uh, he gets shot by him as well. And then he's telling Damon and then Damon is like, listening to him and then Damon shoots him what the hell everybody's just like saving themselves it was like they shot do- shot shot and it was just like Out. people just dropping left and right yeah <laughs> it was I'm like is I'm like is anyone going to survive this movie at all like I didn't see the chances yeah. at that point anyway then we have this whole false confession by da- Damon saying I give Costigan the medal of honor and we see the whole his funeral and Vera Farmiga's crying Obviously, she's distraught. And Damon's like, what? Because she's expecting, right? The two scenes before she's told him she's expecting a baby. I have a feeling it was Leo's baby, <laughs> not his. Obviously, Same, because that's Damon what had... I was thinking too. <laughs> and it's it's implied, right? Damon has uh, is important or has potency issues or Some whatever. Issues, so like, like yeah. Subtle, yeah. So that's, again, I think that was a, a kind of a subtle plot device to show his insecurities, like why he would be edgy on many fronts so which is fine uh then he says what about the baby she just ignores him walks away like they have no conversation at all whatsoever and damon is then carrying his grocery bags and comes back to his fancy apartment uh those two ladies also give him pretty nasty looks did you realize that i did he tries I did to play with the dog it. and i didn't quite understand at that i still don't understand how, why what do they have got to do with him no, I, I just, from that, I inferred that he was never really liked by anybody. Anyone. Around <laughs> That's him. That's a good point. You know, yeah. there are these are neighbors who's, who probably run into him and he's probably always been like yeah. rude or arrogant with him. Yeah. And they probably know that he's no longer with Vera's character who they must have thought like it's the only nice thing about him. And now she's gone and, and they're yeah. like, okay, you're just terrible. You know, we don't care. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. typical, typical answer. Auntie's in the building. <laughs> so anyway, he walks in. I can, look, this is a death scene. I should be finding, not be finding these things funny, but Matt Damon's reaction is like, oh, fine. You know what? That's it. I'm dead. And... Like, but I didn't think he was expecting Wahlberg to shoot him. I thought Wahlberg, he thought Wahlberg will punch him. But there's Wahlberg no, standing. I, <laughs> no, I, 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 I will uh, disagree on that point just because. So Matt Damon walks in, yeah. and you can he sees uh, Mark Wahlberg. Well, he sees him from the feet down. Yeah, and he feet down. sees him wearing those kind of uh, like covering, yeah. like just making sure there are no like tracks, no right? Tracks exactly. And he sees a gun in his hand. He essentially knows like he's gonna. No, shoot I him. know he'll kill him. Yeah, but I didn't think he. He knows he's going to die, but he thought he, he probably, probably would, given Wahlberg's personality, he would punch the shit out of him. I or, thought, and then <laughs> no, he probably thought, okay, I'm gonna take like five minutes of some abuse from him first, yeah, and maybe <laughs> I'll have enough time to figure a way out of this. But then it was just like, bam, Mark Wahlberg was like, nope, not today, no more talking with you. <laughs> and I'm off, and I'm off, and then there is the 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 rat. The rat. Scurrying along which, with the backdrop of the yeah. state capitol, uh, which I d- heard or researched that um, it had actually mixed reviews. A lot of people didn't necessarily, they thought it was a little too in your face trying to show yes. like a metaphor. But anyway, that's a different discussion. Yeah. Uh, so that's, but yes, yeah, so and, this, 
the scene where uh, Sullivan gets shot was one of the most cathartic ones in the movie and another scene which got so much cheers. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine a theater going crowd cheering for someone exactly. getting shot in the head. Um, <laughs> but the reason why I'm saying it's cathartic is because, you know, this movie has positioned Leo as the good guy, right? Yeah. And yeah. Then he, brutally, he gets killed and Matt Damon seems to have got away with everything. You know, he's the only one. Nobody really knows that... Um, he's like shady because the movie has done a good at uh, this point in the film the movie uh scorsese has done actually a good job in almost making us forget about dignum you know like mark yeah. Wahlberg's character because it's almost like for most of the movie he was played like this comic relief right and when he was essentially suspended it's it seemed like his role in the film was done done yeah. he was out and even like with leo was like talking about like getting a hold of Dignum and they were essentially like he's not available. It was almost like at least to me it was implied like he's he's done. He has no more yeah, part to same. play in the story. So when Matt Damon is walking back to his apartment, it just seemed like it's gonna end like on this kind of depressing note, like, hey, good doesn't always win. You know, the bad guys yeah. can sometimes make it out okay. So to see Mark Wahlberg's face, and he has a typical Mark Wahlberg smirk. <laughs> with the gun <laughs> it felt so like as if like you know if you're a sports fan like seeing your team about to score a goal or whatever yeah. like the winning moments and you're like yes <laughs> it's finally happening and it felt so cathartic you're like yep yeah, Matt Damon completely deserved that like uh, <laughs> yeah, Sullivan completely totally deserved, deserved that end so yeah yeah very interesting and I didn't realize this again I wasn't into reddit at that point uh when I was digging up uh right now uh there's a very interesting theory that was Dingman actually an honest cop or was he also the rat? Or was he the last rat left by Costello? By so, God, there are so many debates around this and so many theories. Yeah. Dive in. I'm going to share one of the links for the listeners. People can dive in if they're interested. But yeah, it was very interesting that the rat uh, theory came up again uh, during these fan theories. I... So here's one of my biggest pet peeves about this film, right? I feel like as good as some of the dialogues were, some of the writing and some of the way they set up the story, when you rewatch it a second time, you're, you, you are able to see a lot. You're able to identify a lot of these loopholes, inaccuracies, yeah. and all of that stuff. And you're like... It's almost a little too muddled. Why are there so many molds? Why are there like three... Yeah. Molds. Yeah, it just complicates it. Like, for example, the scene where uh, Sullivan's friend shoots uh, Costigan. Like, you, you know, they say uh, he says, "Like, do you think you are the only guy?" So we are led to assume that he's also he's another mole. And I was thinking, yeah, in that moment, I'm just thinking, how many molds do you need? You already have. Yeah, uh, exactly. It, it just felt it was getting a, a muddle too much. It was like, who's a mole? Who's not a mole? Like, we know. Yeah. Leo and Matt Damon's character, but then you have all these smaller characters and we are supposed to believe that some of them, you know, like the, the guy who gets shot is an undercover yeah. cop. And then the cop is actually a mole from Custer. And it's like, it's too muddled. It's too confusing. And it seems yeah. way too convenient for the story. So I, I get it. The theories are fun, but honestly, if Mark Warburg's character is also a mole, I'm just like, you know what? <laughs> Everybody is a mole. Just get it done with it. <laughs> Just get it, get on with it. So that, <laughs> but I found that really, really uh, interesting. Let's talk about Jack Nicholson's acting. 
Yeah, so... Oh, don't sit with me. I found it a bit caricaturish, to be very honest, because I know Jack Nicholson from Few Good Men, Shining. I I was like, uh, as good as it gets, where he had just won the Oscar, and and I'm like, why was he playing this over-the-top yeah. gangster? So, the first time I, I watched this, it didn't register to me. It, it just felt like Neither a really me. effective chilling performance when i rewatched it a few days ago it just felt so like jack nicholson was just having fun to the point where yeah. he was like i'm just gonna do what i feel like right he was being very jack nicholson-ish uh, at times where he, he loves the flair the dramatic flair yeah. the way he enunciates certain words the way he like Presses. Like he knows Jack Nicholson's face is actually very unique in Hollywood, right? Like he could play like a creep, a bad guy. Like he just has that face, which is so yeah. unique and um, can really be played in for negative characters. And so he makes full use of that. He makes full use of his physicality, the body mannerisms. And I definitely felt like he was like on many times he was just overacting or just being too way overly dramatic when it didn't need to be so yeah he, his performance was a, a little a little inconsistent uh to say the least which is why someone like leo who's so much more younger and junior in terms of his acting career easily outshone him in their scenes together same with matt damon you know like these are the rising stars of hollywood at that time and they were running circles around jack nicholson who's essentially Hollywood royalty at yeah. that point. And I think very soon after, like, offers dried up for Jack Nicholson. And I think he himself, yeah. like, just, he just lost interest. He's been doing it for decades. And I yeah, think so by the care. time this film came <laughs> along, he was just like, you know what, whatever. I'll just do what I feel like. And after yeah. that, things dried up and he lost interest and he kind of faded away. Uh, but yeah, that was, uh, it was funny, like, reading about who else they were planning to cast. It didn't seem like he was a first choice. Um, yeah. I think Al Pacino was But should the... we do that? <laughs> but we, we can, should we do can that. get into it right the... now. Yeah. yeah. Because Al... you then you have a question about the recasting. So if it's remade in Bollywood, <laughs> let's go there. <laughs> well, the Hollywood casting itself was interesting, right? Like Al, wow. Pacino, Al Pacino was the first choice. Um, yes. I think it would have been a kind of a different film. I feel like it could have actually been a better film. Uh, I think Al Pacino Same. would have brought a little bit more threatening like a menace to his character because jack nicholson was almost cartoonish at times and yeah exactly there were times you were just like couldn't take him too Come seriously on. yeah um, exactly so i feel like al pacino would have been better but obviously that didn't work out for them um brad pitt was the original choice for matt damon's character but very impressively brad pitt was like you know a younger guy needs to play this and matt damon came in um, it's hard uh it would have been hard for me to imagine I don't know if Brad Pitt could have pulled out that sly, cunning creep. I, I don't know. I think at he... that point, he's a very I good think... actor. I really like Brad Pitt. There's no question about it. But I don't know. I think Damon just etched. I know. I edge. I think he could have. I think Brad Pitt could have. But if the movie was like set five, if the movie had happened like five years earlier, five. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because he does have a lot of similar qualities to Matt Damon in terms of looks, acting. Yeah. And they can both pull off like the charming but kind of shady character. Um, but yeah, at that point, if Matt Damon was 
a perfect, perfect fit. And you perfect, know what, Brad Pitt perfect. and Leo got to act together in one of my favorite in... Quentin Tarantino films. Did you like it? So, yeah, I liked it. <laughs> Did you like um, it? Once upon a time in Hollywood. Yes. Um, and then uh, Robert De Niro was originally uh, preferred for Queenan's role, which Martin Sheen played. I think that would also been kind of a different kind of film because... Very different. Robert De Niro would have had to play a very secondary role to like all these other characters. And I, I feel like we would have been watching it thinking, what is Robert De Niro doing? Like playing like a kind of like a lesser role in this. Yeah, because Qu- um, Quinnen had what? Like three or four scenes in the movie? Not not a lot of he scenes, had, maybe. No, he had a few scenes, but... He, and he was the boss, but come on, you're but, being outwitted by Sullivan and you're yeah. being outshone by Mark Wahlberg. Like... I don't know. I feel like Robert De Niro, like Robert De Niro today's Robert De Niro. Sure, maybe because he's old yeah. enough to where to the point you're like okay, but at yeah. that point he was still like no, yeah, the star. So he was the star. But Mel Gibson for LRB, Alec Baldwin's role. <laughs> I, I I can't imagine. I am so glad I, I it didn't happen. I, I'm Same. so glad it didn't happen. I think Baldwin and Wahlberg had just like this natural chemistry. They, they had, had natural each chemistry, throats. but also. <laughs> The lines would are are just the like delivery. made for them. Like I can't Correct. imagine anyone else same. doing the same thing. If you watched it, it would have felt a little too hammy or like trying to like yeah. force forcing you to like laugh or forcibly like trying to like be funny. But they just made it. They owned it. It just felt like a natural yeah. extension of their own, you know, their real life persona. Yeah. Um, so I can't see anyone else playing this role. Mel Gibson also, like, I've never seen him in a role similar to that. And it would have Same. been so out of place. So, so I'm glad that different. didn't happen. So I can't imagine. But I do <laughs> think that if the original cast instead of the current cast had been cast for The Departed, I don't know how entertaining it would have been. It would have probably gone a bit dark, uh, the movie. I, I yeah. think that's, that's no, what I, I think. think the right actor, as much as I didn't love Jack Nicholson's performance in this, I think overall... This cast was just the right yeah. fit for the story. The right fit. Same, same. That's what I think. Okay, Benny. So you have your usual <laughs> question, which you love to do. My this usual exercise. My usual exercise. And this exercise. time you gave me. <laughs> and he, so for the, for the listeners, he gave me a heads up and I'm not coming in totally blank. So I have given it thought as well. Uh, go on, Benny. So if, if this movie were to be recast, remade... Um, in other languages so in my case i thought about like okay let's say if this movie was remade like in bollywood with the current crop of actors right and it's like a it's like a fun exercise that i do for some popular movies like especially hollywood um so anyway so for leo's character costigan's character i was thinking shahid kapoor high five high five okay yes i don't know he (laughs) Having seen uh, Shahid Kapoor recently um, in Farsi, but also there was this other movie that I'm blanking on the name where he plays this very troubled... Heather? Probably, probably Heather, but yeah, he was just like a very troubled Kamine also. And... Heather, Heather is where he is. It's the it's... Hamlet uh, remake. Pro- okay, uh, probably that one yeah. then, but he, he's Hamlet just Hamlet adaptation, so not remake. Yeah. Yeah. He he's so convincing to me as someone who is who could play like perpetually overwhelmed, anxious, um, paranoid, you know, like and actually be able to act all of that out. Um, so I, I can see Shahid Kapoor in that role. Um uh, 
So for me, because I was telling you, right, like I'm not a big fan of the current crop of Bollywood. I think no. But if I had to take someone like from the 90, late 90s, early 2000s, kind of, I thought of Rithik in his early days where he played, hmm. you know, the roles he had done, Laksh, Mission Kashmir, etc. Right, Rithik would right, bring right. that vulnerability to Leo's role really well. Uh, not the Rithik of today, yeah, but the right. early Rithik. Yeah. I, I think I'll, I'll agree there. I, yeah, definitely Rithik has that too. So yeah, I can definitely go for that. Um, but Shahid would be my pick as well. Like I was thinking current and I'm like, well, there are only two actors I'd really love to watch, Shahid and Ranveer. <laughs> so they have to be there. <laughs> well, Ranveer doesn't find a place in my recasting because ah, uh, for the I'm role surprised. played by um, Matt Damon uh, for Sullivan, I was actually thinking Rajkumar Rao. Um, Interesting. Because Interesting. I, I can see him. Of those. I can see him being this polished, like a cop. But also he's like this shady guy on this on this side, you know, um, being this mole and getting good people killed. <laughs> I, can, I can definitely, definitely see that. Um, so, yes, that would be my pick for. Something. So I I had Ranveer, actually, because I thought it would be a little out of his comfort zone because Ranveer yeah. tends to be this flamboyant. <laughs> this amazing at comedy, this. But I think yeah. he could pull off the sly act. In my opinion, because I I genuinely believe in the current crop, Ranveer is the one actor who can yeah. pull off different roles. Because I've enjoyed him in every role that he's done. Uh, going back again, like I said, to the early, I think Abhishek Bachchan would have played Sullivan for me quite well. Because again, Abhishek okay. did not get the scripts and the roles that he deserved for his kind of. He he's a good actor. He just landed up in the wrong decade, like I said, where yeah. Shah Rukh, Salman, Amir were rising. Abhishek Justin, yeah. and he was under the burden of being Amitabh's son, right? So, but yeah. kid, yeah, that's always yeah. But I think Abhishek, <laughs> Abhishek has it in him to play this play this role. Okay, um, Jack Nicholson's Costello. Uh, this is harder for me, but um maybe it was like a recency bias but having seen him recently i think sanjay that really probably. you know who really you know who i had in mind amitabh bachchan amitabh bachchan would have done a stellar job versus jack nicholson have See, you seen have you seen him play a villain like a character in ux i feel like i've Ravina i saw it when it came out vaguely um it wasn't a but that's movie. also the thing but Amitabh had flamboyance. <laughs> and I, I think, think that's bring that. I think that's the thing. Like I cannot remember having seen Amitabh Bachchan in like negative too many negative roles that it's yeah. it's hard for me to mentally associate him with that kind of role, especially where he gets shot <laughs> by, you know, like a younger guy. I don't know if his stardom <laughs> would allow that. Um but it would be if he didn't have those constraints, and yes, he could definitely he could definitely do that. Yeah. Because for me, the way Amitabh being the awesome superstar that he was, the kind of character roles that he has now done in his second innings is, I, I love him more as an actor in his second innings even more. I mean, I liked him all his movies, but I like him even more now because he has managed to kind of set apart that superstardom image and give you character roles. So yeah. I really would think... Give him a negative role, he'll nail it in this, in this, in his era of set, in his age, 70s age, kind of. 
of course now he's touched ap but i i just yeah. love his energy but uh, uh, yeah interesting talk me through your choice though for why sanjay dat sanjay uh, dat yeah So Sanjay Dutt because I don't rate him as an actor much. That I, is why honestly, I, I have not rated him highly as an actor for a long, long time. I, whenever I used to watch mm. like his old films, he just struck me like he is like very big. He's a big guy. He's got that mm. presence to him. But the ones that I've always enjoyed of his were when he's played menacing roles, right? Like uh, the Agnipat with Rithik Roshan. Okay, fair enough. He yeah. that was I think the first role of his that I saw that he was like. Playing this villain and menacing character, I was like, "Oh my god, he's terrifying!" <laughs> and and then recently, he's done. Uh, I think he was in KGF Part Two. Um, ah, okay. And he's no, in. I haven't Vig- seen that. Yeah. And uh, he's uh, in the upcoming Leo film starring Vijay. In uh, it's a Tamil film. It's one of the most awaited Tamil films of the year. So he's playing a negative shade in that. Too. So he and of course. Uh, I don't know. It's a spoiler alert. If you haven't watched Jawan, he's in Jawan as well. But he's not a negative character. But you know, uh, he's there in it too. So he's kind of doing these roles where he's not like just like the hero and the good guy mm. and everything. And the little that I've seen of his negative roles, I feel like he can bring the menace, but also he could bring like the humor, like the humorous elements of Costello. Where mm-hmm. the way Costello is written, I think he can kind of do the Indian version of that because, like yeah. I said, he's okay. Costello is terrifying at times, but at the same time, there you know you look at him and he just seems comical or cartoonish, yeah. and I'm like, well, yeah. if you wanted that, <laughs> I, I think Sajidat could do that. So yeah, that that was my uh, reasoning for that. Wahlberg's character, Dingman. So. Queenan and uh, Dignam. So Queenan, played by Martin Sheen. I would. I went with Pankaj Tripathi. I feel like I always pick him in all my reimaginings. He's there. <laughs> you only need Pankaj Tripathi. <laughs> <laughs> I just need him in every movie that I make. Um, and then for Mark Wahlberg's character was, it's actually kind of hard. I was thinking, who can be like this fast talking? Kind of whippersnapper of a guy who is just like, um, you know, like doing this like quick. He's just quick to respond, and he always needs to have like the last word. And I was thinking maybe Manoj Bajpai. Um, High five, Benny! <laughs> I I had okay. him as well. <laughs> because primarily because of how he was in Family Man. That that's what I related to more. Yeah, but even in his other roles too. I mean, even if you go as far as back as Satya too, he has this. Yeah. He he can he, first of all he can do any role, right? He yeah. can he can do any role, but I can buy him as a cop. Who just doesn't give an f about anybody, including <laughs> senior people to him. And like, yeah, Mark Wahlberg is sitting; he's standing next to Martin Sheen's character, who's senior. Yeah, and you can see like when when both uh, Leo, uh, Matt Damon and Leo's character, when when they're in that office and they're talking to the two of them, and whenever Mark Wahlberg like abuses them, they kind of like look back and forth to like Martin Sheen, like, uh, "Are you gonna say something?" Are you gonna stop him? <laughs> Stop and him or not? You, and even Mark Wahlberg's character says, "Hey, don't look at him. He's not going to help you." Like yeah. I was like, "Oh my god, <laughs> this guy's this guy's a lot." So I was just thinking, like, yeah, Manoj Bajpayee might be a good fit because I cannot think of anybody else at the moment who would bring 
you know, the same yeah. level of uh, I, wit. I, I had Ajay Devgan a bit in mind that maybe Ajay Devgan could pull it off. Um, I'm sorry. Because... I honestly don't rate Ajay Devgan, <laughs> so it's hard for me to accept it. I have liked him in some of the... Pre- he had a phase where he was doing good movies. So okay. I did quite like him at that point. In uh, I'm not a big fan or anything, but some of the movies of his I did like. Very interestingly, because I was telling you, right, I, I was just pinging my friend and he said uh, Arshad Varsi could fit in. And if you've seen Arshad Varsi play the, how do you say, uh, his biggest role, obviously, is Munna Bhai. I loved him in, in the uh, Salam Namaste. Um, yeah. I, I loved him in that. You, yeah, if you've seen the web series Asur, where he plays a police detective, uh, he's he's pretty serious in that. But I was just trying to imagine if uh, the Arshad Varsi of Asur came together with the Arshad Varsi of Mundabhai is what hmm. he would add to Warburg's character. Uh, so again, not okay. my own. My friend said this and then it got me thinking. So I'm like, yes, he could be a good fit. On okay. Kinnan, I actually thought of Nasruddin Shah. Okay. A little o- old, but it's, yeah. isn't like the Sears and Shaw like too old now? But maybe he would actually fit the bill in that case. He would fit the bill in actually. <laughs> so he and Amitabh Bachchan having a go at each other would have been fun. Is what I thought. Oh yeah, that scene, the scene where they kind of um, it's just one in, scene, right? Where they meet. It's one scene, and even yeah. in that, Mark Wahlberg somehow manages to, manages to outshine them. Yeah. Um, so yes, so that's what. Okay. So, and then yeah. Vera Farmiga's character, honestly, uh, we didn't really have time to talk about yeah. this. But one of the pet peeves, another pet peeve for me was the way, like, women are not a big part of most of Martin Scorsese's films. And no. if you see, they're always treated in a weird Shabby. way. Yeah. Uh, they're not really done justice. The characters are not done justice. And I, I didn't really love the way she was portrayed. Because again, like I mentioned earlier, She's a really smart woman, qualified, you know, a psychologist mm. and all of that. But then she essentially like is not able to see through Sullivan and is not even aware of how Costigan or what's going through all of that stuff. So honestly, this is one of those roles where like literally like give it to anybody and they'll be fine. Yeah, me but too. I could I'm see... like, I didn't think about it. Uh I just love Deepika Padukone, so I would just like give her sure any role do. that I can. Yeah. So <laughs> I don't, I don't rate her as an actress. I love looking at how she's stunning. I just don't rate her as an actress. Uh, like I said, my current, I don't like the current crop of actresses. Uh, other Who than would you Arya have given Bhatt, it to if it was? Uh, I actually, older. actually didn't, actually didn't think about this to be very honest. But I don't know, maybe. Oh, Nandita Das was like ages ago, uh, but Konkana mm. or Nandita could have fit in probably uh yeah. in that role so okay but it was too minor a role to even think about it honestly or waste over them uh, so no yeah um yes let's also very quickly talk about the the line some of the best dialogues uh i actually made a note of this one um, yeah and we can wrap it up with that i think Betty yeah let's cover everything we, we, we let's wrap up to. uh with uh the best lines and, and we'll give our yeah. ratings too and then we can wrap it up of course but, um, of course so there's a lot of classic quotes in this, uh, but one of the best ones that still stands today, this stands the test of time today is um, when Jack Nicholson's character Costello says, when I was your age, they would say you could become cops or criminals. Today, mm. what I'm saying to you is this, when facing a loaded gun, what's the difference? And it, I was thinking, man, that's 
a good summation of this film, actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Actually, everybody's just getting shot. <laughs> you, you're like cops and criminals, but at the end of the day, both of them have guns and it's a matter of who's uh, facing the gun. So, yeah, well, yeah. well done. Um, and the another one, which also is probably the only time to my memory I've seen like an Indian or Pakistani character featured in a Scorsese film with a with a Hindi swear word thrown in. I, yes. I was thinking, I don't think I've ever heard that a Hindi swear word in a Scorsese film before. And this is unique. This is a moment to celebrate. For us. Yes. <laughs> and he's and swearing. He also gets an absolutely great line, which I yeah. am almost sure that this was also received a lot of applause. Uh, yeah. Where, you know, once Costigan is fighting with uh, those two guys. The goons, yeah. The goons. And the the store owner is like in a very thick Indian accent. He's like, what's wrong with this effing country? Everybody hates everybody. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, dude, you don't know the half of it. It's still like that today. Yeah. So, <laughs> Yeah, you've summed it up. Nothing's changed. And this is where yep. we are 17 years later. So yeah. just for me, because I, I told you, right, I just loved uh dig them so much uh, yeah. but before before I well, ended uh, end up with which was which I found really humorous again because he was just so like abrasive that's the right word you yeah, used to yeah. like I don't give a, I don't I'm not answerable to you I don't know why when I'm talking to you kind of uh, when they're discussing that there is a mole uh, in the you know police department he's like he's like hinting do you know who it might be what it could be and he goes Maybe, maybe not. Maybe F yourself. And I'm like, dude, he just asked you a simple question. <laughs> like, he's so dismissive. And on that, I went and checked how many profanities, how many times the F word was used. 252 times. That's once every two minutes. And you <laughs> would think that's a record. But no, hang on. Another Scorsese movie, another Leo movie, Wolf on the Wall Street had 569 F-bombs. This is ridiculous. Like, what is going on? So You know, so Wolf of Wall Street is, uh, it's, I don't know. I don't think we're ever going to do that film on this podcast because it's a freaking insane film. But I can definitely see, I can definitely accept that because... From the little memories of watching the film for the like the one and only time that I've seen it, yeah, that was a lot of f bombs and yeah. some of those scenes were of, like crazy. totally over the top. I was like, "What is going on?" But yep. again, I think again, I think Leo was excellent in the film. He, he is. was excellent. I, in the I film. propose, I propose that we do an episode in the future just focused on Leo Leonardo DiCaprio's Films? filmography because, again, like I said, I've just discovered that he's my a favorite actor and i feel like i need time <laughs> to really talk about some of the roles like he's done so many iconic roles that most people would be glad to have at least one or two of those and he's done like tons of them and he's still relatively young so yeah yeah we'll see more uh so that brings us to the end benny i think we've got a little better than what we did on the last two episodes <laughs> by 10 minutes <laughs> <laughs> by 10 minutes no, no, I'm sure. I'm sure that you'll find something to edit out and <laughs> bring it down a little bit more. Anyway, to wrap it up, uh, what's your rating for the movie? You know, I'll maintain it that this is my uh, my favorite Scorsese film. Um, yeah. 
but having rewatched it recently, I'm kind of disappointed that there were so many loopholes and so many points where I felt like, you know, whoever wrote the film along with Scorsese was just like, eh, you know what, just write, write this up so that we can just move <laughs> on to the next scene, you know? Um, <laughs> and I feel like it, it didn't have the usual or the typical Scorsese excellence that yeah. we would associate him with. Um, so I would drop it to eight and a half out of 10, which I almost feel bad for giving anything less than nine for a Scorsese film and a Leo film. Uh, yeah. But I, I would still maintain it's my um, favorite Scorsese film. I mean, I mean, Shutter Island, you know what? I would need to rewatch it and see if I'm going to change my mind and say Shutter Island because um, Shutter Island and Gangs of New York are the other two Scorsese films that I really love. And, um, but all of that I to say, to you watch... know what? that could change once Killers of the Flower Moon come, uh, comes out. I might mm. be like, all right, this is my all-time favorite. But eight and a half for The Departed. Yeah, I think I need to watch Goodfellas uh, again. Taxi Driver and Raging Bull. I'll tell you, Taxi Driver and Raging Bull are very intense films. These are like at very early stages of Martin Scorsese's filmography. Exactly, I remember it. They're very dark, very intense. Very dark. It's definitely not for everybody. (laughs) Yeah, so I would need to watch. But Goodfellas, I remember some bits of it. But I need to rewatch to actually remember how much I liked it or hated it or did I like it more than The Departed? But yeah, purely from nostalgia perspective and purely because the lead actor pair is, I think, one of my favorites. Uh, I enjoy yeah. watching them every time they are on screen. Um, eight and ten for me because somehow the loophole started <laughs> irritating me. I feel like if uh, <laughs> I feel like if you were asked to rate it without rewatching it, I would probably would have given It'd it like, like nine, nine and a half. half. But uh, yeah, there were quite a few flaws. Please. Please, so, there were quite a few flaws that I was like, seriously, nobody was thinking through this yeah. <laughs> half the time. But it was I a great think, film. Entertaining. Oh, it's entertaining. It, absolutely totally. entertaining. So for entertainment, 10 on 10. But if you're looking for like writing and that picture perfect film, no, definitely not. There are loopholes. Yeah. So did I have fun watching it? Oh, I had lots of fun watching it. Uh, so yeah, from that perspective, great. But no, from realistically taking everything into consideration, uh, 8 on 10 so yeah but go watch it's fun if you like damon if you like uh leo you have to watch this uh movie uh it's a great fun to watch Wahlberg, obviously <laughs> by the way before i end before i end a lot of people i didn't realize Wahlberg is not very popular and you gotta look up his <laughs> wikipedia to understand why not but if you go on reddit like people don't rate his acting and people just thought he no was no yeah let's but let's be, i mean to be what? very clear like, that's what i said Mark Wahlberg's acting itself wasn't like something that I'm going to rave about. I'm saying like the dialogues that he got and the way he delivered them were just top notch. I mean, Mark Wahlberg, like he's made a career out of playing such characters. Like, in fact, if you pick any of his movies, you feel like he's playing versions of this Dignam character. True. But Dignam was the one where he, it was like a perfect role written for Mark Wahlberg and he just like had a blast playing it. Um, so yeah, I would say go watch it. If nothing, uh, just go watch it for Leo's, one of Leo's best performances and for Mark Wahlberg's just like absolutely amazing delivery uh, of his lines. And it's not among Scorsese's best work, but hey, it won him an Oscar. So what do we know? <laughs> exactly. So go watch it. We, we would recommend uh, and have fun while watching it. 
How's your mother? She's on her way out. You all are. Act accordingly. On that note, I want to thank you all for listening to this episode. Please be sure to follow us on uh, Twitter, now known as X, apparently. <laughs> And uh, Instagram, a shout out to Blue Sky. So if you're on Blue Sky, yeah. you know, we'll include links to that as well. Our handle is uh, at underscore talking talkies. So do subscribe to the podcast for the latest episodes. We have some fun ideas for future episodes. So stay tuned and do spread the word about this show to your friends. This has been your host, Benny. I'm Mina. And we'll see you at the next movie.